Hi, my name's Leo WT, and you have found your way to the Conversations Podcast. This podcast exists to create safe space for spiritually minded conversations about life. Conversations exist to create safe space for dialogue and community. We desire to come together regularly and intentionally to generate conversations about life, belief, and the intersection of the two. Everyone is welcome as a part of the conversation. Cool. So I just was having a thought this morning about language uh, because there's there's so much talk about like language as language shapes our reality. Like language are the Lego blocks with which we use to convey our thoughts, to hear other people's thoughts into dialogue. It's not the only way because of course there's like interpersonal body language and stuff, but language plays a big part in how we function with the world and how the world functions with us. And so I was having this thought at the gym and it was just like mind blowing, right? So um, just one of those like light bulb moments. And basically what I was thinking of was uh, this morning, I was having a conversation, simultaneous conversations. One conversation was about race. One conversation was about gender. One conversation was about the top, like the theology of hell. I'm telling you, I swim in some deep waters sometimes, and apparently it's not tied to the time of day it is. Um, but there is, there's so many nuances within all of those topics. And I came, I came to this place where I was like, yo, there, I had this realization that language, it literally, it shapes our reality. Cause it is, like I said, it's the Lego blocks of our reality and of conveying messages to another person and receiving messages from another person. And language can shape whole interpretations of a message. Like with Christianity, um, language is the building blocks of the Bible. And you can see over and over again, once you really start to study things, you can see that language has been tweaked to create or to further certain agendas or to maximize or minimize certain people. So you can see that in the Bible. You can also see that when it comes to, uh, in terms of representation of people and their identities in the world at large. What I mean by that, uh, having a simultaneous conversation about race and, and uh, gender and orientation right now. Um, some people say, like, why do we need to have all of these different identities in terms of orientation and gender for people to have? We've never had those before. Or why is it so important that this person identifies as Caribbean, Afro, Hispanic, um, East Asian, Pacific Islander, like all of these different things instead of digestible categories that we've had before. And I think that it's really important because the flip side of language shaping our framework and, and, and expanding our understanding of the world is that language can limit our understanding of the world. So if we are to say like, why do you need that clarifier? Why do you need that definer? Why are we having this conversation about words in the original Greek and the Hebrew? Language can also limit our perspective as much as it can expand it. And if you are a person who has never needed to, to clarify who you are outside of the norm, outside of the, the, you know, Western norm, right? If you've never needed to clarify who you are, if you've always seen yourself on TV, if you have always seen a box that matches you on intake forms, 
on ID, on government forms. If you've always seen those things, there's a very slim chance that you're going to realize that there are people who don't have a box to check. And while labels can be bad and can be limiting, in the beginning of a conversation about diversity, labels can show and can be concrete proof of the existence of a diaspora of uh, identities and of orientations and of ethnicities and of backgrounds, all of these things. They can, it can be a both and, and I love what you said there in the comments about it being a set of tools. Language can be a set of tools. And instead of fighting against like, why do we use language the way we use? Why do we need this? Why do we need that? Why do we need the other? We need to come to a place where we realize the value in that diversity and in conveying that diversity. And that can help so much within yourself. If you're a marginalized person who is, who is felt on the fringes, who has felt invisible, who has tried to fit into other boxes, but it just like doesn't seem right. If you're that person, it's so freeing to see yourself represented by some toolbox of language at some point. And that's why language matters, right? Because we have to use language as expansive and as open postured. Because the moment we post a closed-ended question, the moment we use a definitive clarifier that doesn't fit, we subconsciously other people. And so if we're really in the business of building community and encouraging diversity and championing individuality and moving forward to a progressive, cohesive, multifaceted society, we have to use language that moves outside of our perspective, right? We have to use open postured language. And that's something that's really like, I'm a non-binary person and I sometimes accidentally misgender my non-binary friends, which is the height of irony, right? Because I'm non-binary. But I try to always utilize whenever possible the most expansive language. And instead of doing, using daily colloquialisms that are tied to the majority, I try to intentionally decenter the majority in my language. And so when that happens, um, well, I'll give you one quick, easy example. And it's very, very simple. And it's very, very almost surface. But it was the way that I started to engage with this con concept of expansive language and open postured language. So um, instead of saying guys, I try my absolute hardest to say folks, because folks is a non gendered option when addressing a mixed group of people. And so I'm trying to decenter this, like my cis, not my cisgendered narrative, but I'm trying to decenter the cisgendered uh, binary way of referencing a group of people, which is funny because in high school Spanish class, I used to always get so angry that um, pronouns, or not pronouns, um, well, I guess pronouns, but when addressing a group of people, 
who were of mixed gender, you had to use the masculine. And this is not a knock on the Spanish language because this happens all throughout language. But I used to get so mad in high school before I ever knew anything about gender or orientation, I would still get mad. Like, why does male have to be the default ending, right? Why does it have to be nosotros instead of nosotras? Like, I, I didn't like that. And it's so funny that it grated on me then. And I had no, I mean, I had 15 years less experience in the world than I have now. It's so awesome that you were also thinking about the importance of language because, yeah, it's really important and it's wild to think about. And if you're a writer, you've probably thought about language. And if you've worked in social work, you know, you might be coming around to the idea of language, but it's not necessarily something that everybody thinks about. And so I just had this like moment of synergy at the gym and I was like, yes, let's, let's throw this out in the ether. Let's see what we can do today to change those, those predetermined norms that are set in our language. So I do my best to use folks instead of guys. Um, one that I have a hard one is using dude in, uh, using dude instead of like a more gender neutral thing. Cause to me, dude has always been gender neutral. But if I, if I notice that there's somebody in a group, who may be perhaps not cisgendered and I can't tell right away sometimes, you know, but if I sense that there's someone that, that might identify as something other than masculine, I really try to avoid dude. And this plays out in terms of race too, because there is so many things, um, you, you start to see on government forms, how it'll ask you about race and ethnicity. Um, and it'll ask you like, you know, like what is your ethnicity, but then it'll ask you if you're Hispanic or non-Hispanic because you could be both black and Hispanic. And then the question becomes what, like, who are you? What are you made up of? Um, I have some really good friends that are, that are Hispanic or black and could be white passing if they wanted to. And so, and so especially I feel like in those instances, being able to say, this is who I am, right? It is empowering of someone's narrative. It is cognizant of someone's culture. And it gives us a better understanding of where this person is coming from. Hey friend, how are you? Congratulations on your new marriage. Um, but it's so important to use language that's expansive and open postured. I'm far from perfect. I'm a super flawed human just because by fact of being a human. But something that I've tried to implement in my personal life, especially over the last... I would say probably two years that I've become really, really daily conscience, con conscious of this is um, trying to use open postured language. Because if you start a conversation with language that is exclusionary and confining and limiting in its scope, your conversation will never get off the ground. You know what I mean? And that's not, that's not a slam because you can do that. You can do that without ever knowing you're doing that, especially if you've been in the major majority for whatever, you know, whatever instance we're talking about, but you can use, um, you can lose, use exclusionary language because you've never had to think about it before. And so in starting a conversation, I'm trying to do my best as a person to use open postured language. Um, and that's in my personal life and professional life. Uh, one cool thing that's happened recently is the state of New York passed a law where it is illegal for salons and barber shops to use gendered pricing tiers, which I think is so cool because as our as a salon, as WT Hair, we never had gendered pricing because your the pricing of your haircut should not depend on your gender marker or your genitals. It should just depend on the amount of work that's done. So we've always done short and long hair and 
have our own distinction for that, you know, and no knock on anybody who hasn't, but just because I'm non-binary, it was really, really important for us to do that. And now here we are four years later after we started our non-gendered pricing, New York State passed a law that made it uh, illegal to, to gender your pricing in a hair salon. And that was to eliminate the idea of the pink tax, which I think is fantastic because something shouldn't be more because it's pink. Uh, Ellen DeGeneres has a huge sketch about lady pens and like I'm so glad that they made these pens because my tiny lady hands couldn't handle the other pens and really they're the same pens but they're pink and I think it's really really it's comical in that sense but it's important in other senses to remember that we need to be open postured and we need to be non-limiting in our language so we need to move from language that we've been programmed with. We've been programmed to use these norms. So it's no one's fault. It started long before us, right? But we're, we're responsible to do better once we know better. So here we are, it's 2020. It is the age of intersectionality. I don't care what demographic or identifiers you have. 2020 is the age of intersectionality and the move towards intersectional justice. Because if all minorities bind together, we're not a minority anymore. So we need to move to open postured language in our outward interactions. But it's also really important to move to open postured language within our own mind. Uh, when I talk about coming out, I always talk about how there's layers of coming out. You come out to yourself, then you come out to your closest friend, then you come out to your inner circle, then you come out to your acquaintances, then you come out to the world at large, right? And it's the same thing with language. Change, change starts from that same kind of tiered perspective. So if we start using expansive and open postured language within our own head, then we start using expansive and open postured language within our own households. Then we start using expansive and open postured language within our workplaces. And that language builds the framework for an open postured and equitable world. Wild, right? And especially if you have kids, that's even, even bigger because you're teaching your children. So they don't grow up with that predetermined um, kind of, it's, I don't want to say exclusionary because it's not bad intent but it's kind of cloistered and it's less informed and it's a little bit out of date language. If we program our kids to never have those things, if we teach them open posture in their daily lives, they don't have to unlearn closed posture. So if we start within ourselves and we start that mission within ourselves today to use open postured language and we use language as expansive instead of exclusionary, our language shapes our reality. So if we take our language and we change our internal language, we change our reality. And if we do that in our inner circle, we change the reality of our inner circle. And then if our inner circle does that, bro, that's how you change the world. Change like that is exponential and it starts with seeing those building blocks of divisiveness within our own lives. Is I'm not blaming anybody. You're not at fault unless you perpetuate the bad behavior, right? You're not at fault for how you grew up. You're not at fault for what you were taught, but you are at fault for what you do or don't do with what you're taught. So just to, just something to think about today. It really, it really blew my mind. Yes, friend, mind blow emoji. It really made me think. Uh, so today I'm gonna work on actively not using the word dude. I don't know. Sometimes I'll even use dude and then I'll just, I'll ask people before I do it, especially if I'm in like a, a queer space or a multi-gender space. I'll say, hey, does dude bother you? 
I try to be sensitive in that way because that's at least being open postured in my communication with that person. So today I'm going to try to use dude less and I'm going to see what I can do in my personal life to build an open postured vocabulary. Because if I build an open postured vocabulary and then I blow that out to the rest of my life, I build an open postured world. So that's where I'm going today. I also wanted to take a quick note. You guys might have seen my super cool hat. I have it angled so you can see it in the video. Uh, this is my heretic hat and I'm so pumped to wear it. My friend Glenn has a podcast called the What If Podcast. If you come from specifically a conservative Christian background, an evangelical background, and you're interested in the process of deconstructing and reconstructing your faith, you, you, uh, you wanna hit up the What If Podcast. Glenn has a whole shop called the Heretic Shop. And for me personally, heretic is something that I have named and claimed to use uh, cheesy church language, but heretic is someone who questions religious dogma. And if, if I'm going to be anything, I want to be someone who, who tests out and who measures out and who weighs out and who really works on understanding the things that they believe. And so if understanding the things I believe require me to, to combat dogma, I'll be a heretic any day. So just so you guys know, that's available. The What If Podcast, I've dropped a ton of links of it. I'm currently, I mean, elbows deep in a series about to hell with hell, deconstructing the idea of evangelical hell. Very interesting because there's not really language to prove that the Turner burn, eternal torment in the lake of fire exists. There's not, there's not language to suggest it. So I'll leave that little nugget there for you to explore on your own. What if podcast, uh, you can find links on the group page and on uh, the conversations official page. So language is a building block for our day. Language is a tool to create an open postured and inclusive world. That's what we're talking about. Also this Sunday evening, I'm going to be going live with my friend Chanel, and we're going to be talking about the intersection of hair and identity. Chanel is a, uh, is a black person. I believe she identifies as biracial, but I'll have to double check her bio. Uh, and so we're going to be talking about hair and aesthetic and how that's an outcropping of who you are and how that can both shape and inform your reality. Um, internally and externally, and I'm really excited about it. So that'll be this Sunday. Thank you guys so much for watching and commenting and engaging. I love each and every one of you, truly. This, this is my deepest passion, facilitating this kind of conversation and community. Thank you so much for joining. Y'all are the best, and we'll be back next week with some more informal comment. We'll be back Sunday with some formal, some formal structure and um, some new, uh, new podcast stuff is going on too. So we'll make some info about that. Thank you guys so much. Have a good day. This has been the Conversations Podcast. Thank you so much for joining the dialogue. If you have any questions or comments on the episode about conversations in general, or just need some safe space to talk, join the digital community on the Conversations Official Facebook group and Facebook page. You can also find us under Conversations Official on YouTube and Instagram. And of course, please take a second to rate, follow, and share this podcast so that we can continue to build the conversation. I'm Leo WT. Thank you so much for listening.